I'll feel the love. <laughs> you have low self-esteem issues, you just stand up here and it all gets fixed. <laughs> I get my fix about three times a week between the school ministry and here. Well, I just I think we blessed the worship team, but I just had such a really good time tonight in, in uh, worship. I just felt like this incredible, courageous, and revelatory anointing was on us tonight. It's pretty amazing. It was this morning, too, was... Absolutely amazing this morning. Just the, the atmosphere in here is just like something was just so powerful. Uh, I, I don't think it's. Uh, I'm not saying it isn't always good, by the way. <laughs> Be careful. Oh. Sometimes you know you're like, honey, you look nice in that dress. Oh, you you don't think I look nice in anything else? <laughs> A dress dress makes you look thin. You think I'm fat? be careful how we say things, you know. But I don't think it's a coincidence like Bill came back with this uh, prophetic word that was given to Toronto about another wave and felt this morning like we were capturing some of that in some, some way. So it's really, really awesome. Um, yeah. Can you just grab a hand? I just, I just like to pray before I, it might just be my tradition or something. Pray before eating. <laughs> I know where prayed before eating came from. <laughs> you grew up with a, eating what I ate. You, you prayed before the meal. for <laughs> It was required. <laughs> Lord, make these Twinkies edible. <laughs> so, but Lord, we just pray tonight. In Jesus' name, that you was, really would, that you would dig deep into our hearts and that there would be uh, deep things deposited into our, all of our lives as we share talk and, and, um, and just interchange life and exchange life with one another. Just, we bless what you're doing already and what you've done um, just through the prayer and the worship and, and everything. We just, we bless you. Amen. Amen. I, I, um, I've, been, I, I've been on this uh, kind of mission for probably, I don't know, it's probably going on over, a little over two months about covenant. I've been teaching on covenant for a couple of months. And um, last, I think last Sunday, I think I spoke last Sunday morning, um, I, I spoke on the, uh, the courage of covenant. How many of you know that you can't be a coward and be a Christian? And the book of Revelation talks about the fact that cowards won't go to heaven. And so I talked about the courage of covenant. And uh, I, this, I love this quote. I'm sorry, I, I wish I would have wrote down who said it. It, was, it isn't me, by the way. So if you tweet it, just say, you know, author not known or something. But courage doesn't always roar. Sometimes it's the quiet voice at the end of the day whispering, I will try again tomorrow. What a beautiful quote. I, I love that quote. Um, tonight, I, I want to just kind of pick up uh, not so much the... Uh, the theme of covenant, although it fits perfectly within covenant, I want to talk about abstock impartation. And I was, I was thinking about it. Uh, <laughs> Actually, I, it, I was. <laughs> Sometimes I like to tell you how you know words kind of come to me and what Bill. This morning was sharing a story I know well, actually, about Randy and and, uh, and the impartation that came through Randy to Heidi, and um, and then um, I don't know if you mentioned Larry Randolph this morning, but just 
Um, and, and then that impartation that came, you know, from John Arnott to, to us and the impact it had on, um, on our lives personally, privately, but, and also corporately in our little community of Weaverville that we talk about often. And um, I, I, I still, you know, very fresh in my mind, you know, sometimes you have these, uh, these monumental moments in your life. Like, I, you know, I don't know how, you, how our memory actually works, but I can remember just certain events at certain times in my life, and uh, they just stick out to me. And one of them is, um, I don't remember, it was the week Bill and Benny came back from Toronto, but it was definitely right in that season, in the first month or so, and, and people just falling down, and my wife falling over the keyboard, and crazy things happening, and my wife was drunk all the time, and I remembered, I remember that in particular because uh, it was our custom, we didn't have a Sunday night meeting at the time, and it was our custom during uh, football season, the guys would, a bunch of guys would come over to my house, and my wife would cook for them, and I, I remember distinctly this part, that... 49ers were doing quite well, but my wife wasn't. I'd invite a bunch of guys over, and we'd have to serve ourselves, because she'd be drunk on the floor. And I'd be like, can we get some... Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> so I started telling the guys, you can come over to my house and watch football, but she ain't waiting on us, so you won't get the benefit of, of, her, um, of her hospitality. So, but, so just all that impartation that just came into our home and to our family. And I remember, uh, this is a funny, funny story, I've told it many times, but um, my wife was one of the most drunk people in the very beginning of our... Well, I don't know if she was the most drunk or if she was kind of a monument to people who are always like emotionally stable. And then, poof, she got totally whacked and people were like, that has to be God. She would never act like that. I, I don't know if it was more like that. Or maybe it was just my, you know, my uh, memory of it. You know, it's like, I know I've been with her since she was 12. That has to be God. She would never do that. And, um, and I remember um, uh, one of our elders, just a really great guy. We're still, we're still very, very good friends and still uh, one of the leaders in Weirville. But I remember him. Um, in fact, I'm sure I've told the story publicly. And his name's Tom. And Tom's just a really godly man. But, you know, all of this was all new to us, and he'd never seen that. No, none of us has actually ever, we've heard of it in history, but never actually seen. What I'm talking about is man, the manifestation of, like, whole rows of people falling out and laughing and crazy stuff. And, uh, I mean, without anybody inviting it, like, you know, at all. I, I mean, I grew up in Pentecost, so, you know, there was people standing up and doing crazy stuff, but it didn't f feel like the same spirit. Anyway, uh... <laughs> Maybe I should say anointing would be easier to receive. But anyway, my wife was on the ground. Or I think it was my wife. She was on the ground and, and Tom and, and shaking and laughing and doing all the crazy stuff that was happening in those days. And, uh, and I, I was like, I had the Statue of Liberty anointing, you know. I don't know what, but nothing ever happened to me. And so Tom, uh, he's really like, I don't know what, frustrated would be a good word or whatever. He just like, I just don't really think this is God. This is like in the very early, like the first month or two. I just don't really think this is God. And he was kind of going on. It's my wife on the floor. And I'm like, well, dude, I don't know what to say to you, you know. So the very next week, this part I remember, the very next week, I think it was while Bill was preaching. I'm almost pretty sure it was while Bill was preaching. The Holy Spirit falls specifically on Tom. And we had, we were in, 
bolted down theater seats that didn't, you know, they popped, the, the, the cushion popped up, but it, they didn't move. And he's like three rows back where Tom always sits. And, and just during the, I'm, I almost paused, it was during the message, Tom falls down in between the, the seats, you know, bolted down. They don't, they don't give. And he's electrocuted. <laughs> he's got the electrocuted anointing on him. And he is vibrating. And he's super, super smart guy, you know. And he's like, totally like not asked for, not believed in. And I'm like a row back from him. So I stand up and I stand in the aisle and I go, I don't really think this is God. (laughs) I remind him of that every once in a while when I see him. And he looks up, he's all, shut up, Dalton. <laughs> That's that whole man with, you know, an argument has no power over a man with an experience thing, you know. Anyway, all that to say, you know, we, that Toronto, John Arnott, Randy Clark, and the impact that Randy's had on Bill's life as a friend, even, it's just impacted all of, all of us. You know, you may not know it, but... A lot of what's happening through Bill has come through friendship with Randy and through impartation with Randy. So anyway, all that to say um, as an introduction, uh, when Bill was sharing that this morning again about Randy coming and, and about impartation and telling the story of Toronto this week, I, I was just thinking about how much we've received, obviously through the teaching, but from Toronto it's been, in, in our lives, it's actually, I think, I would say that, that the impartation has been even greater than the, the actual teaching, the philosophies. And, um, and I, I like teaching, but... So I want to talk a little bit about that tonight, and I'm, I'm going to start with a little bit of a... I, have this, uh, I had this prophetic word I wrote down about five, five or six months ago in my journal, and uh, you'll see that uh, it, it kind of fits. Um, and it's written in a metaphor, so I, I hope that you can, you know, get that. And I've, I've actually never shared it. Um, you know, it's, uh, I was thinking about, I was thinking about Bethel and actually it was, um, during, um, some dialogue that we were having with the leadership, our leadership team, you know, who, who are we and what is it we're called to do and be or be and do. And so we were having that conversation and I walked away from that conversation and I went home that night, and I was just, I just had, had some things going on in my mind, and I was thinking about, um, and uh, let me just tell you, I was thinking about Rolls Royce, and uh, you know, being a, a car guy, the Lord will often talk to me in metaphors that are meaningful to me, so if they're not to you, I'm so sorry about that. <laughs> Should have grown up in an automotive family, then this would be really impactful to you. But um, Rolls Royce was founded in 1906 by Henry Royce and Charles Rolls. And Rolls-Royce began as an aircraft engine manufacturer. And um, so I was, uh, and Rolls-Royce powered about half of the planes that were flown in, uh, by the Allies in World War I. They didn't build the planes, they built the, the engines that went in the planes. And so I, I know that history. And, uh, and, I, and now, of course, they build, they build uh, a lot of cars. I mean, they're kind of famous for building cars, although they've done lots of other things. But I was um, just laying in bed after that conversation I was having with our staff about who are we and what are we called to do. And it was, it was all around, you know, building a university and all these prophetic words we have. And, and I felt like the Lord um, said this to me, and I think it'd be easier if I just read it to you and then kind of explain to you what it, what it actually means. 
Um, I, I wrote, now Rolls-Royce builds some cars, but the most important thing that they build is engine for, engines for other cars, boats, and planes. They don't build planes or boats themselves, but they build the power plants that propel them. I believe that Bethel is like the Rolls-Royce like Rolls manufacturer in that we build power plants that drive vehicles, drive vehicles of destiny in the lives of millions of people. And I had this vision, I had this vision of mothers and fathers, politicians and policemen, pastors and prophets, educators and doctors, scientists and inventors, artists and actors, etc. They were all seated in the air, into the fabric of society and written over their hearts was powered by Bethel. Now, I'll just give me a little grace here. I'll finish and explain what I mean. Metaphorically speaking, we may never build politicians, doctors, nurses, engineers, scientists, etc., but we build the engines that propel them. And um, now, let me be really clear. I understand that it's the Lord, right? So, you know, this is being webcasted to people who maybe not even like me. <laughs> I know for a fact that's true, so God bless you. My mother loves you. She'd like to get her hands on you. Uh, some of the things you write about my messages, she's not very happy about that. But, you know, when they... Um, when God, uh, when he anointed Gideon and he, said the, and he sent the angel to Gideon, you'll remember, it's in Judges 6, we're not, it's not part of the, uh, not something scripture we're going to open to tonight, but he anoints Gideon, the angel comes and anoints Gideon, he says, you're a mighty man of God, and he says, where are the miracles of our fathers, and basically the, the angel, I'm paraphrasing, the angel says, they're in you, and when the people um, went out, the 300 men finally go out into battle, they shout, for the Lord and for Gideon, for the Lord and for Gideon. And um, when Moses, when God meets with Moses on the mountain, he has this dialogue with Moses and he says, Moses, listen, when you come down off the mountain, I'm going to meet you down at the bottom of the mountain and I'm going to, I'm going to display myself with lightning and thunder and, and all of this wild stuff. And, and he makes this statement, so that the people will believe in you forever. The connotation is they already believe in me, but we do need them to honor you because you're leading them. I know, let me just say that again. God said, I'm going to meet with you and I'm going to make this great display when you and I are talking, when you get down the bottom mountain, so that the people will believe in you forever. Now, I, I'm very aware that we need, to, we need to believe in Jesus and follow Jesus. But Paul said, be imitators of me. <laughs> Like, can you, and I've shared probably, I think it was in the beginning of the covenant message. Could you actually say to somebody, be imitators of me, and, and actually mean, if you become like me, you'll become like Jesus? Because people are like, it's not about me, it's about Jesus. How do you separate the head from the body, is the question. And so I understand, um, you know, we're, we're, we've been dealing a lot in the last couple of years with the whole uh, hyper-grace and people, um, you know, making it, you know, so, um, like, it's taken away personal responsibility and, and, the, and, and, I, and I also understand that there are movements in history where there was elitism, where people, you know, the manifest sons of God kind of went off in this, we're awesome and, you know, you are not, you know. 
But how many of you know God is awesome and that's why you're awesome? And Jesus uh, prayed this prayer um, in John 17, which we've shared many times here. Part of the prayer was this. Father, the glory that you've given me, I give to them. Father, the glory that you've given to me, I give to him. Give to them. And um, you realize, you know, I hear people say, we don't want to do anything to steal the glory of God. You can't steal what he gave you. Actually, it would be really awesome if Christians became so glorious that they knew there was a God. It's actually part of the struggle, is that the glory that God gave us, we're not walking in, and therefore they mock us and don't think that there is a God, because we're walking in great philosophies without a great anointing. And so we could use more of the glory, actually. And, uh, um, and for those of you that know me, I don't need to say this, but for some who are watching and who don't know us, I, I'm not talking about arrogance or any of that. And, you know, we, we, you know Heidi is part of, Heidi Baker is part of us. You know, she, and her, her main message is, is um, get low. You know, she, every, nearly every message I hear her preach someplace in there, she talks about just keep getting lower. She texted me this week and said, I think you just need to get lower. I'm like... <laughs> Well, I've heard that before. So, I mean, I, I, I believe very much in humility, but um, I think Bill said it today. Humility isn't, isn't low self-esteem or feeling bad about yourself. And humility is actually restraining your strength and allowing others to, and, and, and empowering others to be all that they can be. So, and I actually think that when we become everything we're supposed to be, it actually gives glory to God. I think when I do something amazing, he gets the credit. Do your works in such a way that people see your good works and they glorify your Father who's in heaven. So, you know, I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, you know, I, I don't think that there's... Um, I don't think we're having those problems right now. I don't think we're like, we're so amazing, we might be arrogant. I don't know if we've flowed into that yet. It might be a good problem to have. Like, those guys do such extraordinary miracles that they think it's them, you know. I, I guess we have individual issues with that at times, but anyway. Um, and we've, we've received Bethel. So, so I, I, let me just get back to my point. Uh, when I talked about, you know, I, I saw this vision at, and on, over their hearts it said, powered by Bethel. I'm talking about the Lord, of course. But I'm talking about the DNA, the, 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 the part that God's given us to play. Like, I think there are people that are, you know, I think there are universities that raise up, you know, um, scientists. You know, I mean, talking about kingdom-minded scientists. And I think there are universities, and maybe we'll get to be a part of that. And there's universities that, you know, they, they specialize in raising up doctors and nurses and, and healthcare professionals. And there's, there's you know, obviously there's, there's educational sy- systems that are, are called by God to raise up artists and, and actors and actresses. And I'm talking about kingdom people. And, and that's, that's amazing. All of that's amazing. And we may get to be a part of that. At this point, I, I think people build planes and we, and we put the engines in them. Like trained by Bethel. And, and there's, there's something about... Is that offensive? I'm sorry if it sounds that way. And so um, I, I, I feel like we have a responsibility to release, to impart to people these, these kingdom core values about the presence and 
the power and the, the honor of God and the purity of God, I feel like that's a part of what we, we bring to people. And, and they may be trained at Yale or they may be trained at, at some, you know, at Simpson or some, you know, university that trains them in their, in their actual, um, in their actual career calling, but underneath their shirt, it's and tattooed over their heart, you know, it, powered by Bethel. Rolls-Royce engine powered by Bethel. And they take those, those core values and that mantle and that anointing and those things we receive from Randy and from uh, Arnott's and all of this generational, this multi-generational anointing that's, that's come to us just through impartation as a gift. And, and we pass it off to them and they're, they're, I just see them, doctors and nurses and moms and dads and all these different people and they're seated into society and they're, and they're walking in power and, and presence and purity and, and, and God's just doing powerful things for them. And they're, you know, they're, they've, they're in, the, in the higher education and lower education. They're laborers. They're blue-collar, white-collar people. They're just they're seated into all of society. And yet they're carrying something that they got here, that we got somewhere else, that they got somewhere else, you know. And we all got it from the Lord. Does that make sense? And so um, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18, Paul writes this, This I command... And entrust to you, Timothy, my son, my son, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you'd fight the good fight, keeping the faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and suffered shipwreck in regard to their faith. Let me just read it one more time. This I command to you, I'm sorry, this I command and entrust to you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you'd fight the good fight, keeping the faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and suffered shipwreck in regard to their faith. Um, a couple of things, uh, I, I've taught on these verses many times before. A, a couple of things come to my mind. First of all, obviously, Timothy was commanded and required to use the prophetic declarations as weapons of warfare in his life. And so he, he, was, he was prophesied over, and Paul says, listen, those prophecies that you received from other people, that impartation you received from other people, I want you to take it and use it as a weapon in this season and fight for your faith. But the other part that I think that really, that really stuck out to me today was this, that Paul commanded him and according to these prophecies. It says, Paul commanded him according to these prophecies. In other words, he used, Paul used the prophecies to direct the requirements of Timothy's life. Let me, let me, in other words, two things going on here. First one is, Paul knows that Timothy has prophecies, right? And we're going to find out here in, in chapter 4 that he was part of a presbytery. Paul was probably part of the presbytery where they laid hands on Timothy and he received impartation. And I want to talk to you about that in a minute. But Paul hears prophecies that God gave. And he commands them according to the prophecies. In other words, he's saying to Timothy two things. One, the obvious is take the prophecies that you received and with them fight. Secondly, he's commanding him, Paul is commanding Timothy according to the prophecies. In other words, he's leading them according to his destiny. God's idea is not his. He's saying to Timothy, I'm commanding you according to the prophecies. These things I'm requiring you, these things that I'm requiring of you, Timothy, they, they weren't my ideas. I am trying to bring you into the destiny that was prophesied over you. Therefore, I'm leading you not in the way I want you to go, but in the way you should go. I, I, I've quoted uh, Allison many times. She said, I love to listen to other people's prophecies. I said, why? She said, so I treat them not as they are, but as God sees them, and I invite them into their destiny. 
That's just so amazing. And, and this brings up one more thing. We all need accountability in our lives. And Paul is holding Timothy accountable for the prophecies. And we'll, we'll get to some more in just a minute. Paul is, is holding Timothy accountable. This is part of a covenant community. This is, a part, this is a part of what happens in covenant community. One, you get impartation, but you also are held accountable for the high call of God in Christ in your life. And account, accountability means account for your ability, not account for your disability. And so most of the time when we think of discipleship, and we think, you know, well, what should we do when we meet with someone? I've had people ask me this hundreds of times. Like, if, if I'm discipling somebody, what, what do I do? Like, I've never done it before. You know, do we... We talk about their, you know, their problems, and you know, it's like, well, of course, if they have issues, of, of course, you'll want to talk to them about that. But your primary role is to figure out what God's called them to, and invite them to it daily, and call them to account to the great call of God that's on their life. So it's not about, so it's not primarily about holding them accountable for what they've done wrong. It's holding them accountable for what God's called them to, and saying, "You are better than that. You are amazing." Or, you know, are you with me? And so we, 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 uh, we, we need this, this account, we all need this accountability in our lives. And, and, and again, I want to just emphasize, not, the, not, not primarily the kind that says, you're probably going to do something wrong, you need me in your life. <laughs> listen, you need me because if you, if you don't have me, you're going to screw up. No, no, listen, you're, you create a culture in accountability that people need. It's the Barnabas Paul principle. You know, Paul, amazing. Without Barnabas, who, who would ever know Paul? It's that kind of synergy that we create when we come into a covenant community and people hold us accountable for the high call of God in our lives. Paul wrote this in, in the book of Ephesians. Therefore, I, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called, with humility and gentleness and patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. This, this part, though. Therefore, the, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you. I implore you. It, it means this. It means, the word implore means to go by your side or to pass you up and call you ahead. In other words, he's saying to the Ephesians, listen, I went ahead of you and I said, come on. I'm imploring you. Come on. You can do this. I, I'm up here. I'm, I'm either walking with you or I'm walking ahead of you, depending on probably the level of anxiety in your life. Sometimes I walk ahead of you and I go, come on, we can do this. And, 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 I, and I just want to say that, that that sometimes is the difference between what you, what you, what you are and what you could be. Is, is having a community of believers that, that implore you. That go, come on. You can do this. You're amazing. Uh, um, I love this part. 1 Timothy 4.11. Paul writes, prescribe and teach these things. Let no one look down on your youthfulness. That's a really interesting comment. This, this is, uh, he says, don't let anybody look down on your youthfulness. But rather in speech and conduct, love, faith, and purity, show yourself as an example of those who believe. He's not saying, like, Timothy, if somebody looks down on your youthfulness, confront them. Stop treating me like a kid. He's saying, no, act according to your call so that they won't look down on the fact that you're young because you're so amazing. 
He's saying, let the way... Well, we'll finish this and I'll... Verse 13, until I come, give attention to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation and teaching. Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was bestowed upon you through the prophetic utterances with the laying on of hands by the presbytery. Take pains with these things, be absorbed in them, so that your progress will be evident to all. Pay a close attention to yourself and your teaching, preserve in these things, for as you, uh, as you do this, you will ensure both salvation for yourself and those who hear you. This is, this is amazing. He said, listen, listen, I don't want you to have anyone look down on your youthfulness, but this is, what, this is how I want to make sure, this is how I want you to deal with it. I want you to take pains, that, that word means intense labor. I want you to labor, I want you to give a lot of attention to the prophetic word, no, the prophetic impartation that you receive through the presbytery. I want you to take pains with those things so that the people with you will see your progress. In other words, they won't think, oh, this young kid doesn't know anything, because they will see your progress. Why? Because you're working hard in doing what you got for free. You're not just like, I got an impartation, here I am. Woo, woo. You know, I'm floating in the river. He's like, paddle. I understand there's times of rest. I'm just talking about this verse. Like, I understand, I don't understand rest. I'm not very good at it, to be honest. So... He's saying, listen, I want people around you to see your progress, and the progress is around the impartation that you receive. Do something with what you received. Work hard at, at, this imp, at, at what you receive for free. This is a good word. I heard Peter McHugh say in a conference I was in recently, he said, in the coming world, they will not ask me, why were you not Moses? They will ask me, why, weren't you, why were you not Chris? When you, get to, when you get to heaven, they're not going to say, why weren't you Bill Johnson? They're going to say, why weren't you you? Why, did, why didn't you become everything that was given to you? I gave you this. Listen, I gave you five talents. You acted like you had two. Well, at least I didn't bury it. No, no. <laughs> you know, there should be some more stories in there. You know, it's like, <laughs> oh, I didn't bury mine. I didn't bury mine. You didn't do anything with it either. You invested, you know, you invested it and got a little bit. So you didn't get to be over any, I don't know how that works. It's just, that was funny. <laughs> in Romans 1, Paul says, I long to see you so that I might impart a spiritual gift to you that you may be established. I long to see you. Now, he, how many of you know, he just wrote 16 chapters to the Romans. And he's like, this incredible, some of the most incredible teaching you'll ever hear on the Gospels will come out of the book of Romans. It's one of my very favorite books. It's very, it's very deep, isn't it? The whole thing about grace and, and how you know, Judaism uh, interacts with faith and all of that. And Abraham and God raising up sons to Abraham and you know, Hagar and, and the, uh, the bondwoman and, and Sarah the free... And just all of, all of that. You know, it's just like it's deep. And he's talking to the Romans and he says, Listen, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm about to write these, these... You know, not chapters, but I'm about to write this long letter to you. You're going to learn a bunch of stuff. But you won't be established till I come. 
There's just some things you can't teach people, you can only impart to them. There's just some, th- and, then he, and then he says, so that you might be established. And the words established means to be held secure so you can't fall over. He's saying, listen, I gave you great teaching, but you're still not secure. I'm hoping to come to you to impart something to you so you can stand secure. There, there is something that we need in our lives that's more than articulation. The, these things that came through, through Randy and, and obviously through Bill, but we're talking about John Arnott and, and that whole movement. It, it was not as much about teaching as it was about impartation. People would come there and they would, they would you know, have messages. I, I, I've been there a few times and you know, the messages are still, in my mind, most of the time, very simple. And they're sharing simple messages and people are falling out all over and having these encounters with God. You know, and I try to get up and wow them and nothing happens. Good words. We're looking for anointing. Uh, Hopefully I'm carrying some of that now. But I am. And and I'm just sorry. (laughs) I I, I have deep concerns that our educational systems are... Our educational system is becoming articulation without impartation, resulting people in knowing without being. I have really deep concerns that that our educational system in general is becoming articulation without our impartation. So people, they know what they can't actually be. There is a difference between being a disciple and being a student. You can be a student and not be a disciple, but you can't be a disciple without being a student. When you're a student and not a disciple, you mimic methods instead of capturing your leader's heart. Now, did you hear what I'm saying? See, I think every disciple is a student. I mean a lifetime student. But I don't think every student is a disciple. Some students like to learn stuff, but they don't like to follow people. Jesus said, follow me. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. I think you can be a student. I think you can be like, I'm hungry to learn and not be a disciple. But what happens when you're a student without being a disciple is you tend to mimic people's ways, their methods. You tend to mimic their methods. You tend to like, I do what you do. You do what I do, but you're supposed to become what I become. Because when a, stu- when a disciple is fully learned, he becomes like his teacher. The goal isn't that you'd learn what I've learned. The goal that you'd experience what I've experienced. In discipleship, the goal isn't just that you would learn what I've learned. Of course, that's part of it. Matthew 28. Make disciples of all nations and teach them. So we understand that teaching is a part of discipleship. But when you become a disciple, it isn't just that you know what I know. It's that you've experienced what I've experienced. I'm responsible to, to help you into an encounter. Not just to give you articulation or information about the encounter I had. Sometimes it comes different ways. Today, when, um, when we were, were listening to the video that Seth was doing, something power, I mean, it, was, it was great articulation, by the way. I want to compliment our media team. Beautiful job. I, I love when you don't have to work through all of the like, B-movie stuff to get to the anointing, you know. But so, by the so good job, Bethel Media, on that. Oh, it was beautiful. Just putting the, that together and the filming, everything was beautiful. But there was something on that today. A building, Dobra said, I, I really feel like we're, we're supposed to give an altar call right now. 
It wasn't just because of what's being said. Like there was anointing on the room just because of the video. There was impartation happening through the video. Could you feel it? I'm almost done, really. And and when he writes to Timothy, Paul writes to Timothy in the second letter, Timothy, he said, be careful of men who will become lovers of themselves and lovers of money and boastful and arrogant, disobedient to parents and ungrateful and unholy and irreconcilable. People who are gossips and they don't have any self-control. They're haters of good, treacherous and reckless and conceited. Lover, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. How many know God doesn't have any problem with pleasure? It's when you exchange it. Like your pleasure becomes God, your God. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. People who hold to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. This is, this is profound, especially coming from the Apostle Paul, a guy who's just like beaten and shipwrecked and did everything to reach people. I mean, this isn't like average Joe's preaching this message. And, he, and this, is, this is how he ends his ex- exhortation to Timothy. Avoid such men as these. Avoid such men as these. People that they, they have a, f- a form of godliness, but they have no power. And his, his, his final exhortation on this subject is avoid men like these. For among them, among who? People who have a form of godliness but deny its power. For among them, for among them are those who enter into households and captivate weak women weighed down with sins led by various impulses. They're always learning but never able to acknowledge the truth. This is um, this is a this is a, a sober um, exhortation to Timothy. Be careful that you don't become a part of people who are ungrateful, unholy, gossipers. Be careful that you that you cultivate gratefulness in your heart. He's not writing to Timothy just to avoid these men. He's writing to Timothy to avoid these attitudes. <laughs> have you ever had any of these? I certainly have. And he said, avoid these people. They have a form of godliness, but they deny its power. And that's probably um, a great warning for all of us. And so, we, we, don't, we, we want to be students, but we don't want to be the kind of students who are always learning, but never really coming to the knowledge of the truth. We, we don't want to be students who know, but don't know. And, you know, we are in a world that values no. Um, you know, we just, just in, in practical ways, um, we have professors of universities that teach business at, at the highest levels of university that, that teach business classes that actually have never had a business. I mean, that's a great practical example of the fact that I, I'm, giving, I'm telling you about something I actually have never done. 
I actually don't even know if I can do it because I've actually never done it before. This, this is the way they taught me. It's supposed, and typically those people learn from someone who's never been in business either. It's come from, it's come from surveys and, and, you know, and, um, and interviews and statistical studies. And it's like, actually, they've never actually owned a business. And, and that's, a great, you know, that's a great warning for us. It's like, you know, you can stand here and talk about, you know, whatever. Casting out demons and never actually encountered a demon in your life. I was someplace, this has been a couple of years ago, where someone was teaching about deliverance. And I, you know, later on I said, yeah, have you, have you, um, you know, what was your upbringing like? And, he said, and it come, anyway, it came down to this, like he had actually never actually done a deliverance. I'm like, you, you can have lots of great ideas about what should work <laughs> until you actually get in there and do it. And I'd like to suggest until you actually have experience, you have no anointing. I think anointing comes from experiencing, not articulating, experiencing the presence of God. I, I think that, you know, in Acts 19 where Paul is doing extraordinary miracles and it's the sons of Sceva quote, you know, where the, the demons that are in the sons of Sceva say, I, you know, I, I know about, I, I recognize Jesus, I know about Paul. I recognize Jesus, I know about Paul. How many of you know that you want to be known in heaven and feared in hell? You, you, want, you, want, you want the, at least the, ter- and I'm, I'm not, I'm being serious. Like, you want the ter- territorial spirits, at least in your territory, to know you. you go, uh-oh, here comes John. Be quiet, maybe he won't see us this time. I, I don't think that demons are afraid of your education. I, don't, I really don't. I, I don't. I don't think they're like, oh my goodness, he was educated at Bethel. We better run. You know, I, I don't know any enemy that's like, well, you graduated from, you know... Wherever, therefore, we're afraid of you. You know, it's like, no, no, it's what you've done in the battles that make your enemy know you. It's what you've done in your experience that make your, 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 your disciples trust you. It's, it's the fact that you, you actually, not that you actually learned more, but that you actually have become something that they want to become. I, I love uh, Jesus said, what Jesus said in Matthew 28 when he said, um, make disciples of all nations. In fact, let me just read it because I, I want to make sure I get this one part right. Jesus spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I commanded you. How many know the word disciple means learner? So I'm responsible, make disciples. How many know that I'm, I'm responsible to, to have something that people actually want to learn? Like, oh, people, they're just not hungry. Well, wait a second. I'm responsible to make a disciple, then to teach them. Not just to teach them. So, you know, Jesus comes down from a mountain, a great example, and from the Mount Transfiguration with uh, Peter, James, and John, and the, the, the other nine disciples are trying to cast a demon out of this young boy who gets thrown in the fire. 
And Jesus comes, and you know the story. And, says, and he said, this, this kind only comes out with fasting and prayers. And Bill mentioned many times, he, he, at that moment, he didn't fast or pray. And he just told the demon to leave. Asked the, the, the father a couple of questions and told the demon to leave. And the demon leaves. Guess what? Disciples are now learners. The nine disciples are like, how did you do that? Hey, we did, you know what? We, we've cast other demons out. Remember, you sent us in the cities, we cast out demons. But we, didn't, we couldn't get that one out. How many of you understand that he could do something they couldn't do? That's why they had something, that's, why, that's what made them hungry to learn. It wasn't intellectual, it was experience. It was, it was, it, it, they just watched an experience that they couldn't reproduce. You know, we don't want to be like people who are 150 pounds overweight telling other people about our great diet. Let me tell you about my exercise program. You don't actually have anything I want to know. You know, but, you know, in that metaphor, when somebody's 150 pounds overweight and you, and you meet them, you know, like maybe they're a, a friend you don't see very often, and you meet them a year later and, you, and they're, in, they're in shape, you, and the first question, you know, besides how are you doing, how's your family is, how'd you do that? How'd you do that, right? You're instantly a learner. Why? Because they've had experience you haven't experienced. Like, you don't have to say... Teach me everything you know about diet. You're like, teach me everything you know about diet. Teach me about exercise. Teach me, like, especially if they were way, way, you know, obviously way, way overweight, way out of shape, and they're in good shape, and, you know, and it happened in a relatively short period, or any length of time, actually. You're, you're like, you're instantly a learner. You, you are a disciple right here. You, they're, you're, he, that person, he or she, has just created a disciple. Now they can teach him. But if we're not experiencing things that other people haven't experienced, all we have is a, a better philosophy. And it may not even be a better one. And we're like, we're trying to tell people, listen, you need to know about this diet. And they're like, you don't look like you know anything I don't know. You need Jesus so you can be happy. Listen, I live next to you. I hear you yelling at your, screaming at your wife. Like, you don't have anything I need. But listen, if you, if you had Jesus, you would... He would solve your problems. It looks like you have more than I have. I'm not fine. I don't, like, you're not making me want to learn. But when I have, when I experience the presence of God, and how many of you know that right in the commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your what? Neighbor as yourself. You can't love God without benefiting your people around you. If you're like, I went in the prayer house and I spent three hours with God. If that three hours doesn't benefit your family, I'm not sure who you were talking to. No, I, I'm being real. Well, God touched me deeply, and you're still a jerk to your family. I don't know who you're talking to. Because loving God it, it, it is going to benefit your neighbor. So, so the fact that you, I got these prophetic words, but did you know him? Remember? Didn't we cast out demons? Didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we do miracles? Yeah, I never knew you. It's be first, do second. So people become learners when you are experiencing things they haven't experienced, not when you talk about things they never heard. Because when you talk about things they've never heard and you haven't experienced it, you're just an echo, you're not a voice. You're not a voice for something to happen. You're telling someone else's story. An impartation comes from an experience that you've had, not a message you've heard. 
Not a message I've heard. It's like, the, we, we need to be the message. Once we're the message, then we have something to say. So I, I think that this, I think this is exciting times because I think that God is raising the level of impartation, which impartation means I have an experience. I had this experience. It might be when I watch a video. It might be when someone's preaching or teaching. It might be when I'm laying on the floor. But the point is, is that it, it may have come through articulation, but it's not the articulation that changed me. It's the experience that changed me. You know, some of the things that divide families is when, some, when one spouse has had an experience that the other spouse hasn't had. You know, I, I'm glad I was there when Kathy had the, that experience with God. Because if she would have come home in that shape, and I hadn't been there, I'd be like, what? Now, tell me what? Explain to me the scriptures. What just happened to you? Show me where people laughed and fell down and fell over the keyboard. Where is that? Where is that in the Bible? Because we tend to be, when we're afraid of something, we tend to be afraid of things we don't understand, and we tend to try to understand here before we understand here. But when she, because she experienced God, and I was there, when it happened, I was there when many people experienced God, when it happened, I too couldn't explain it. But my heart knew things my head didn't know. So when people say, well, how could that be God? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Are you sure it's God? I'm positive. It's God. Why? Because I've been with her since she was 12. But we experienced things together, and therefore we grew together instead of apart. It's really important in families, you know, the book of Nehemiah, the priests taught and they experienced things together as a whole family. The whole family experienced it. You know, we, we, we jokingly say, it is true though, our kids grew up under the pews. Our kids, you know, all of our kids, that, you know, they, I think Ben shared in, um, I think it was this morning, he said, you know, he was talking about growing up in church. He grew up in our church in Weaverville. And he said, you know, I was bored a lot as a kid because I didn't understand what was going, you know, I didn't understand the messages, he said. He didn't understand the message, but he was there to experience what his family was experiencing. There's something special about that. There's something special about the fact that Seth is giving our kids the same experience in children's church that we're having out here. They're not singing, Mary had a little lamb. I mean, you, I, know, I know they're doing it in kid form, but the point is, they're having the same experience there. So when you go home with your kids, they're talking about angels and prophecy and things. And you're like, that's what happened in big church. Like, we're having a family experience. That's really important. It's important in the nursery that, that the children in the nursery, that the little ones that are, still can't talk, that they're having experiences with God that they, that they may not remember here, but they will remember here. It's important that we're having a family experience together because if we experience things together, then we may not have words to articulate it, but there's a common bond between us because we know even though we don't know. Does that make sense? So that's it. Why don't you stand and let me just pray for you all. I don't know how dangerous it is to ask the Lord to come. 
You, you know, the Lord never goes. You know that? I, I mean, I, this is, this is, I haven't thought through this, but I, not that I thought through anything I said tonight, actually. I will eventually. But, um, but I, I don't know if we get more of God as much as we, as much as we become more aware of the God that's with us. You know, what, you know and, and I, I think, wouldn't it be awesome when we, if we had, if we had the, um, the expectation of the presence of God when we go to work, the same expectation when we go to work as we, when we come to service. And, and, and we go, and, and, and we, we wouldn't call this a worship service. We'd call this worship. Because we'd always be worshiping. So when I go to work, I'm like, man, God's going to come right now. He's going to give me a word of knowledge about this patient. I'm going to get a prophecy for this patient. I, I'm going I'm to get a word about the stock market. Because you know why? Because I came to work and the Lord came with me. And like he is just, uh, he's just as powerful here as he was in the service. Now, I may not be as aware, but he's as aware. He, he isn't, there isn't more God here than there was, than there is when I get home tonight. Same God with me. And I think that, it, it, the, I, I don't know, at least when I'm, when I'm feeling it's like, it's about awareness of what we carry. And who's with us all the time. I think the, the veil between Sunday morning service and Monday morning work is disappearing. It's disappearing. It's disappearing. You know the, the, uh, the, the uh, impartation you're receiving right now? Just think about it. You work in a store, let's say a retail store, and you're like, Holy Spirit, I just pray that everybody I check out at the counter would receive this impartation that I receive. And people just start receiving, like, you know, they just start receiving it. Why? Because you became conscious of the Holy Spirit, and you invited Him. The, you know, in other words, the expectation you have when you come here, if you just, what would happen if you carried that every waking minute? You just carry it every waking minute. You're like, okay, there's not, there's not more God here, even though I don't feel Him, than there was there when I felt him. So the feeling, I don't, I, I'm led by the spirit, not by the soul. Therefore, I am just as anointed right now than I was when the music was happening. Therefore, whatever I was doing there, I can do here. Or maybe more, because he likes marketplace stuff a lot. So, awesome. Why don't you just put your hand on your uh, neighbor's shoulder right there. We're talking about impartation and... And, and Paul talked about when we come together, we each have a psalm, a hymn, a spiritual song. You know, I, I love all that, the songs, but I think the, the point is, is that when we come together, we've all, we all have grace that we can give to one another. We all have impartations we can give to one another. So why don't you just do this? Why don't you just become, I don't want to be too weird, but just become conscious of what you're carrying for a moment and go, okay, whatever it is I received, and maybe you're aware of some of it. Maybe you're like, oh, I have this thing that happens to me, and I just... And it happened when so-and-so laid their hands on me or when that happened or when I had this experience with God. I, I, listen, would you like to have this? I'll just give it to you for free. So, so just, 
just right now, just like maybe you're even thinking of an experience that you you kind of constantly have, and you go, "This is kind of unique. I don't know if other people have this." Just just take that right now and just go. I just I just give it to these people who are on my left and right. Just do that right now. Woo-hoo! Holy Spirit, if you're watching by Bethel TV, you can just I don't know, put your hand on the screen or something. <laughs> just you know, do something to participate with us because this is. This, I don't know why, but this travels through time and space. So you can just receive this too. Holy Spirit. We're going to take a few minutes for this. So don't, you know, don't get impatient. Just come Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah. Jesus, Holy Spirit, Father. Deep. More. Let's just let multi-generational anointings just flow into us right now. Just flow in and through us. Uh, There's people getting healed right now. Somebody's colon just got healed. uh, They're... There's someone who's got a, a serious issue with your colon, and it's, the Lord just healed you. The Lord just healed you. Thank you, Lord. I, it's not just for healing, though, tonight. The, I, I believe there's, there's, an, there's uh, impartation for lots of different things. Maybe you maybe you're, uh, just have this, uh, this great gift of uh, uh, being creative and artistic. Maybe you have a great ability with children that's, that you know is supernatural. It's not, it's not natural. Like God just gave it to you in a moment. Just whatever. Just, just exchange gifts right now. This is the great gift exchange. The great anointing exchange. Holy Spirit. Maybe you have a gift of faith. You, just, you, just, you don't even know how you do it. You just believe God for crazy things. And is it possible that the person next to you really needs that gift of faith for the situation they're in? Just whatever it is, you just become aware of it and just if you just ask Holy Spirit, do, what do I have that's special that I can give? What did you give me that I can give away? Somebody's getting healed of, the, you have sores inside your mouth. I, I, don't, I don't know what they're, uh, they, they look like, well, like white kind of blisters inside your mouth. I, I don't know what they are, but I saw, I saw the Lord just touch your mouth and, you're, and the Lord's healing your, your mouth of these blisters. Maybe people watching by iBethel TV, if you have that condition, just receive it right now. Thank you, Lord. Let's just keep going for another couple of minutes. Holy Spirit, just do whatever it is you want to do tonight. (laughs) Wow. And it would be really cool for those of of us who are receiving to go, Holy Spirit, tell me what you just gave me so that I can actually... I, I can actually take pains. I can actually labor... Uh, and, and show myself 
you know, um, so show progress in this area that I just received by grace. Whoa, 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 come on. I believe Holy Spirit's given you like discernment and words of knowledge about what you just received. I just gave you this. I just gave you an artistic ability. I just gave you this, this great faith. I just gave you the gift of prophecy. I just gave you this. I just gave you that. Yeah, it's just become stewards of this grace. Um, uh, several people are getting healed of, of different kinds of problems with their backs. Funny, I had this picture of the Lord just walking around cracking people's backs. You're a crack up now. Holy Spirit, we just re- release you just to touch people's backs. People with all kinds of spinal problems, spinal injuries, back injuries, neck injuries, um, hip injuries, collarbone, down into the arms. I would just get a whole full new skeleton. Woo! Can these bones live? <laughs> That's a good word. It's in the Bible. Bones live. We just speak to these bones. Whatever bone it is that you have a problem with, we just release. If dry bones that were dead could come from, can come alive in Ezekiel's valley, then certainly the bone that you have a problem with can live and grow, reproduce. Knee bones, hip bones. I just pray, Holy Spirit, knee, knee replacement. Hip replacement, Holy Spirit, hip replacement, knee replacement, I don't know, spine replacement, I don't even do that here, this is supernatural physician, a great physician. Oh, something wrong with the feet and the toes. I, I saw like uh, somebody that had, I, I don't know what it is actually, but I used to have gout, so it may not be gout, but you, you have a problem with your toe, like lots of pain in your toes. The Lord's just healing you right now. It might be gout, but, but it might be arthritis. I don't, I don't know anything about the body, so if it's not a car, I don't know anything about it. <laughs> well, whatever's wrong with the mechanical parts of your feet, Holy Spirit, heal you right now. I think your feet are on fire. Like I saw this crazy picture of your feet being like having flames coming off of them, so... You can let go of hands right now. Let's just finish this. If, you, if your feet just got healed or your foot just got healed, like you have pain all the time and it's gone, would you raise your hand? Is that you? Awesome. Over here, over there. Awesome. How many people need, a, you, need a, you need or you needed a knee replacement? How many of you... Needed a knee replacement. Okay, just put your hands up right now. Knees, Lord. We just release knee bones. Can these knee bones live? Lord, we just pray for the knee bone to reproduce. I understand it doesn't happen normally, but we just pray for knee bones to reproduce right now. Cartilage, bone, tendons, muscle. Thank you, Lord. We release that right now. Okay, those of you that have any kind of skeletal dysfunction, I want you to check it out. You have something wrong with your bones someplace. 
If you can, I want you to try it out. I want you to see. Just see if you if you're experiencing uh, freedom where you once had pain. And we don't need you to make a, a faith confession. Like if you still have the same symptom, that's all right, no problem. But if you if you actually you you're you're sure you're, you feel sure that you've been healed, would you just raise your hand? Like you have a skeletal something wrong in your skeletal structure. Yeah, right here, right there, right here, 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 over there. Just try it out. Just... Thank you, Lord. Did, did anybody have any, anything? I mean, listen, if you got healed of your, your pinkies well, awesome. Seriously. But did anyone have anything real dramatic happen just, just now in the last five minutes? You did? What's that? Oh, yeah? Well, you want to just tell us about it for a moment? Here, uh, here, take this with you. Um, I, hey, we'll just send Randy home. I I'll just con- continue to do this. It, I couldn't move my arms freely. Yeah, what? I'm sorry. I, 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 I interrupted you. Can you tell us okay. again? Um, I couldn't move my arms freely. And I can, okay. without, without pain. I, I would do it, but it would hurt. It doesn't hurt right now. Okay. Awesome. How, about eight months. How long? About eight months. You've had eight months? Yeah. Okay. Would, you, uh, would there ever be a time when you could move without pain? Um, it just doing slight things. Um, but... But I mean, like, can, I it, some, can you try can really hard to make it hurt and see if it's? Completed? I couldn't pick up a jar like this. You couldn't. And is there anything? I want to try it. <laughs> I uh, could turn it over this way and pick it up, no problem. Yeah. Well, that's not have, like a. I mean, now give him something to pick up and just see see if it's gone. Yeah. Completely fine. Yeah. No issue at all. I, I, I would drop a gallon of milk trying to lift that's it up. That's awesome. Right Thank you, Lord. I'd have to turn over this way. Thank you. Is there is there anybody else that just um, you had you had something, um, it, you know, in your mind fairly dramatic that happened just tonight? Would somebody else just like to share? Okay, yeah, go ahead. That's good. I've always had uh, problems with just uh, my body being aligned, and uh, okay. yesterday I went to the healing room. Okay. And someone told me that uh, my alignment will cry with Christ will just dramatically affect the alignment of my physical body. Okay. Um, and it happened. Um, I can breathe all the way in, all the way out. I'm standing straight for the first time in years. Wow. Every, all my arms, I have free range of motion. Nothing stiff. My my knee got healed. I had a torn MCL. My toe, I had arthritis in. I, I, my body was jacked up, and it's just amazing right now. Wait, so, so the, um, I'll ask you a question, and feel free that you know you don't have to answer it from all these people if you don't want to. But uh, the word that you got was about coming into alignment with Christ. You said, yeah. "Can it, can you can you tell us?" It, it might be a private thing. Feel free to just say you pass, but. Just, uh, did, did just anything happen in that area in your life? 
just letting go of uh, you know my plans, my own ideas, and just being okay. completely free to uh, let him do what he will with my life, and just being completely okay. So, like you, just, you just made a decision in your life, like okay, I let all this go and. Jesus, whatever you want, that kind of a thing. Anything, my future, as well as just letting things from my past go. That's awesome. Very great word. That's really good. Um, I, 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 um, we're we're, we're going to go just in a second, but um, is somebody else? I feel like that that word that he got, that prophetic word. Um, you know, the, the, the word the Lord's been giving me for the last few years is about wholeness. And I think sometimes, can everybody just say sometimes so we don't get mixed up? Sometimes people have physical things going on in their life that's actually rooted in some other area of their life. This is a great example right here. where He was like, my, my, my life with Christ is out of alignment. And, and it was affecting his body. But actually his body was just a manifestation of something wrong in his relationship with God, which he, you know, so humbly confessed. Uh, does anyone else have uh, issues like that, that you feel like you, you just need to make an adjustment with the Lord, or maybe the Lord's speaking to you? Like when he was speaking, it was, I guess what I'm saying is, was anybody's heart burning within them? You have some kind of condition, and as he was sharing that, you're like, I bet that's what's going on with me. Was anyone having that? Something like that? Because I, I, I would like to just, us as a family, just pray for you right now. Okay, over there. Okay, um, if you have, can you just put your hand up high? I'm not going to call you forward or anything. There's people up in the stands there. Would you just put your hand on the shoulder of the person who's next to uh, you're next to if they have their hand up right there? And and just um, how should we do this? Um, if you're raised, if you're raising your hand, what I need you to do is is say just do what this young man did and say, Lord, uh, this thing that you're talking to me about, I. I repent. And repent means I just change my mind and I agree with you. I agree with what you're telling me I need to change. And so I need you to do that right now, those of you that raise your hand. Just say, I change my mind about that. If it's, you know, in this young man's case, he was talking about just, just giving his, his destiny and his past to God. My, maybe it's something else for you. Maybe it's an addiction or whatever. Um, whatever it is, it doesn't, we, don't, we don't need to know all that. But we need you to just tell Jesus... I agree with you, and I will repent of this, and I will follow you in this. And I want you to do that first. So just, I'll give you a minute to do that. You can just close your eyes and just do it quietly with just you and him. Thank you, Lord. That's really good. I, just however, that's good when people are just being real. I'm just going to give another minute or so to that part. Uh. Okay, and as soon as uh, that person, it, as soon as the person you're praying for right there, or you have your hands on right there, it's, it feels like that they've, they've done that, just go ahead and just ask them what, what just body part they need healed and just, and just release healing over them for that, whatever it is. Just real quickly, let's not take five minutes for this. Let's just take a minute or two. Just find out what, what problem they have and just, you, yeah, and you don't have to give them a full doctor's report. Just tell them, I'm having a problem with my back or I'm having a problem with whatever. I have this issue in my life. And then I want you just to lay your hands on them and command that thing to be well, whatever it is. And if they can test it right there, that's great. Like, like this young man was, could test it right there. Be patient, guys. It's, I know that 
when, you, when you're not participating in, in all of this, sometimes it can be... Um, we, just have to, we just have to rejoice with other people who are rejoicing right now and getting well. It's good for us to do that. Thank you, Lord. Yes. That's, a, that's awesome. Great work. He, he, had, he had cancer and he felt like the Lord said, if you, you know, surrender to me, surrender your life to me. And he, and he did that and he felt the cancer. I, I don't know if that just happened or if that's... Oh, that's awesome. Beautiful story. Great testimony. So let's thank the Lord for that. Awesome. Um, are those people, are, you, are we done praying for those people? I'm sorry. I can't see the whole audience. Cool. All right. Did anyone else feel uh, uh, that they got healed? Like you can test it out and you got healed. Anyone else? Would you raise your hand? If you, if somebody we didn't interview already. Who else got healed tonight? Somebody raising their hand. Oh, good. Oh, awesome. Thank you. Let's thank the Lord for that too.